Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Amen. I want you to get your Bibles out if you can. I'm excited about this morning. I love coming to church on Sunday mornings. I was telling some really close friends of mine, Sean and Chantel, actually to your left, um, that each time I come to church, most of the time, not every time, because sometimes I'm just, quite frankly, just sleepy or tired, but I always come as, and feel as if it's like the first time at church. I don't know why. I know that, don't get jealous. <laughs> I just feel it's like the first time. I don't know. I, I get nervous. I get excited because you never know what God is going to do. It could be that service that is the tipping point for your life, that very service that shifts your whole destiny, shifts your whole purpose. And, you know, you just never know when God is going to break through and show up in a mighty way. How many appreciate how he showed up last Sunday, just even during worship? And obviously, Kelly did a great and amazing job. Give her a hand last week for taking over and preaching the word. She's a firecracker. Killer Kelly, I call her. Amen. One of the reasons why I'm so excited to preach the word of God this morning um, is because I'm going to do something that I haven't done um, in the past 10 months. We've been in existence for, I guess, 10 months now, and I have been reluctant for no particular reason to talk about the actual vision of the church and what Ascension is all about, right? When you join a church family, you want to know, hey, what's our mission? What are we, what's our DNA as a church? Like, where are we going? Are we just gathering just to have some fun, to take our time on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half? Like, what is our purpose? What is the destiny for this church? Anybody ever thought that maybe in the past 10 months? And so I'm super excited because I want to talk about that very thing this morning. And um, it is going to be for the next several weeks. Now, before you decide to not come next Sunday, I've developed these messages, obviously, what I feel, uh, based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, that is going to be applicable to your personal lives and your personal relationship with Jesus. So I'm expecting great and mighty things to happen. Amen. Are you expecting with me? Come on, if you're expecting, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Who knows what the slogan is on the door? of the church, the slogan. There's three particular slogans there. That's right, come on. Reach up, reach forward, and reach out. I want everybody to say that with me on three. One, two, three. Reach up, reach forward, and reach out. Amen. Vision is really, really important, and that's why I want to drive this home. I want to drive the DNA. I want to drive the purpose of this church because you are a part of something that God is doing. Amen? Amen. And vision, having vision for something is not just important. It's absolutely critical. You have to have vision if you're going to accomplish things in life. I heard a quote, and I'm not sure who it was by, and this quote says something like this. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. So everybody say vision Vision. is critical. 
Vision is critical in your marriage. You have to have a vision for your marriage. There are going to be tough times and tough seasons that we go through as married couples. Can the married couple say amen? And if you don't have vision for what God has intended for that marriage, or you're not reminded on why you two came together and how God put you together, you will die in a season of difficulty if you don't have vision for what God has for you in the future. If you don't have future, if you don't have future and foresight and vision for your purpose and in your destiny, what God has called you to, you can die in a season where you are in the dash in between, in between what God started you at based on where you're going to finish. If you don't have vision there in between in that season of silence and in that season of waiting, you will get caught in that season. Amen. The children of Israel died in droves in the wilderness, not because God didn't have a destined end for them, not because God didn't call them out of Egypt. He called them out of Egypt. He said, you're going to inherit the promised land, but they died in between because they lost the vision while they were waiting in the dash. Everybody say, you got to have vision. Come on, I want you to get excited this morning. Lean over and nudge somebody. Jordan, don't nudge her too hard. You outweigh her about by 150 pounds. Don't nudge her too hard. Say, you got to have vision. You got to have vision. Vision for the future. Amen? I want you to go to Habakkuk. Some people call it Habakkuk, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2, verse 3. <laughs> Amen. He's a really good friend of mine. He can handle it. He'll probably beat me up after service. So I want you gentlemen to join me and escort me to my vehicle directly after service, approximately at 1130. <laughs> May need at least three or four of you to take him. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two through three. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures based on vision. Amen. And it says this. I want you to read it out loud with me. One, two, three. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision down. Come on. I can't hear you. Write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets, on your tablets. See, they had tablets back then. <laughs> that he may run with it, who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. In other words, see, there's, he was in the dash. It's yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak. In other words, it will come to pass. And it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says this in the King James Version. It'll be up on the screen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The whole vision of this church summed up is, as we discussed just a few minutes ago, my mom reiterated it, is reaching up, reaching forward, and reaching out. What is that reach up part all about? I want to talk about some practicals this morning, then I'm going to get into preaching the word. You ready with me? Reaching up simply signifies intimacy with Jesus. Reaching up. Everybody look up. Reaching up simply signifies intimacy with Jesus. Oneness with the Lord. That's what this church is all about. It was founded on getting intimate with the Lord. Now, before you guys start feeling uncomfortable with that word intimacy, just hang on just for a moment and we'll, I, we'll, we'll talk about that. Not only intimacy, but identity. Everybody say identity. In other words, understanding who you are as a child of God. And you cannot understand who you are as a child of God unless you're intimate with the Lord. Remember when Jesus said to Peter, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter Barjona, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Does everybody remember that? What's the whole revelation of that? When you get a revelation of who God is, who Jesus is, it should boomerang back into a revelation of who you are. People are spending their time in life trying to figure out who they are. Am I a male? Am I a female? What's my destiny? You've got all these specific questions. People are trying to find their purpose. Really, it's, it's funny, but it's really not funny. You've got a, a generation who is lost, not understanding who their identity is. And it's not an identity crisis about themselves that they're facing. It's really of not understanding who God is in their lives because there is a lack of intimacy. There is a lack of relationship because once you get a revelation of who Jesus is, it will boomerang back into a revelation of who you are. And there you discover destiny, purpose, and fulfillment. Everybody say intimacy. Intimacy. Identity. Relationship. Relationship with him. I like to say it like this. God has called us to a relationship, not a religion. He hasn't called us to just gather on Sunday mornings to, you know, come together and have a good time for an hour and a half and sing a few songs and hear a good sermon to make us feel good about ourselves. God designed the church to not only encourage us and grow us as a body of believers, but to come into relationship with him, not religion. Amen? Sonship, an encounter. God wants to encounter you and for you to encounter him. I've never really understood that. I know that's come out of IHOP, uh, God encountering you. I don't want him to encounter me. I want me to encounter him. Amen? Look at everybody looking. They're so used to that language. They're like, what do you mean? God's not encountering you. He created you. We need to encounter him. Amen? And so that's what reaching up is all about, coming to a place where it's not just, you know, um, a church just kind of having church, but actual encounter, like a spiritual atmosphere whereby the very presence of God dwells and we're changed and transformed. You know, God can change you in a moment of time, right? Amen, does everybody believe that? But he, I, I've been on the floor for an hour under the presence of God and I've listened to thousands of sermons and that, just that moment in God's presence has changed me much more than thousands of hours and thousands of teachings from the Bible, Amen. Because God's presence changes us from the inside out. And that whole reach forward part, I'll touch that. Reaching, everybody say reaching forward. That speaks of destiny, purpose, the gifts that God has given you in the body of Christ at large. Do you know that God has made you to answer one of life's problems? There's many, many different problems in life. Whether you know it or not, you are gifted in the body of Christ to add to and not take away what God is doing in the earth. Not all of you are made to preach the gospel, but maybe some of you are really great at hospitality. You can ask me to crack open the Bible and discuss it with you, but don't ask me to cook macaroni and cheese. I mean, I won't even get past boiling the water. I'll burn the water. Everybody has their own gifts and lanes. Look at somebody and say, stay in your lane. Matt's smiling at me because he knows he'll do the same. I have learned to boil ramen noodles, though. Everybody has their own gifts and lanes, right? Amen? But that reaching forward part, we want to be a church where you come and you discover your destiny and not just stay in the seat. We didn't start a church for people to just come and gather and fill the room. We'll get there. But once it's filled, I would love to see them go out. I don't want them to stay here. I want them to go out and fulfill their purpose and their calling. I don't want to pastor you my whole life. No offense. But my goal is to infuse you and encourage you and let you know who you are in the Lord and encourage that gifting to come out and wake up so that you can take your rightful place in the kingdom and go shake the world or shake your neighborhood or shake your community or shake your home, whatever level that is. Amen? We are a body that is to reach 
forward. Everybody say reach forward. And lastly, reach out. We really haven't got to this part yet, but we're going to get there. That speaks of evangelism. That doesn't mean that you're a Nathan Morris. Amen? Nathan Morris is one of the, I love him. He's, an, he's Actually, we have someone in the room who serves in his ministry. I highly respect him. But not everybody is going to be an evangelist, meaning they're not going to have hold conferences and crusades. Maybe you're going to be evangelistic in the marketplace, at your job, in your cubicle, at the water fountain, when you're talking to someone, encouraging them, when they have a face that looks like they're going, they have a face and they're down and they're hurting, just to encourage them and love on them. Let them know the Lord loves them. Invite them to church. Marketplace evangelism. Really basic stuff. Serving the community. I want us to get to a place where we're going out and feeding the hungry. Amen. I'm believing for God to um, do some financial miracles with this ministry so that we can go out and love on the surrounding region. Not, not to just grow this church, but to help the community with acts of service and love for the surrounding people. Amen. And the families that rep- represent us here in Apopka. So I want to entitle this message as I get into the word, Reach Up. Amen. This is a, a, a sermon that is going to be comprised of many different sermons, but it's called Reach Up. The subtitle is Intimacy with Jesus. Everybody say Intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus. This word scares people. It used to scare me. It used to scare, I'm sure Jordan's scared of that word. Jordan's, I'm already in trouble with him, so I might as well pick on him a little bit more. You guys make sure you escort me. Serious. When you think about this word intimacy, it's really scary for guys. Women love this word. Can all the ladies say amen? The reason why this scares guys is because they think that they have to, either they, they, they think this word denotes a sexual experience. Amen? And then women, when they hear intimacy, they don't hear sex. Guys hear sex. Can all the guys say Amen. But did you know, now I'm not going to point anybody out, but unless you were a virgin when you got married, when you denote a sexual experience with someone from the past, you, you would say something like, I was intimate with so-and-so. All the guys and ladies who have maybe not kept themselves before marriage, amen. Here's, here's what I was thinking this morning. I'll go here. I was thinking to myself, you can have an intimate experience and not have sex, but you can also have sex without intimacy. And you can be a Bible-believing person and be in church and sit on the front row and come to church and sing a worship song and not have intimacy with Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. You can quote the Bible, you can read the Bible, you can pray and not have an intimate relationship with Jesus. You can pray, you can, you can fast, you can do all these religious outward things and not hear the Father. Amen? So you can have this spiritual experience without having intimacy, but God calls us all, calls us all to be intimate with him not just to have this religious outward experience. He wants to be well acquainted with you. Me and a couple of guys in here, I call, I have what with them, you, you could call it intimacy, but since we're guys, I'm gonna talk to you for just a second. I call it bromance. 
I have a bromance going on with about three or four of these guys here. What does that mean? When I'm going through something, I'm going to just say, the other day I was here laying on the floor and my three friends surrounded me as I wept and my bros were laying their hands on me, praying for me, covering me. Amen? Because God uses people as extensions of his presence. Even as a pastor, I do not have all the answers and I don't have the answers to all of life's questions, nor do I know how to have victory over all of life's battles, nor the ones that will be thrown at me. So I experience God through friends and guys in my life that God uses. Amen? Intimacy. So don't let that word scare you. God wants an intimate relationship with you as well. Amen? I was thinking about this. You guys are probably going to laugh at me. It might be a little funny or different, I would say. As I was sitting, I was like, Lord, how do, I, how do I communicate your love languages to people? How do we connect people with your heart in order to generate or inspire intimacy, both men and women, with you? And here's what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me. I want you to give them the five love languages found in the book the five love languages. I didn't have the content for these five points, so I kind of created content as I went through all five of these points. Who knows about the five love languages? If you're married or unmarried, I highly encourage you to read the book. There's five love languages in this context of marriage uh, that, that comprise or surround the marriage relationship. And each and every one of us have at least two of these love languages that if our spouse would speak, our homes would change. The problem is, is that you might have one spouse that has a certain love language and speaks their love language that they have to you, yet you don't speak that language. Amen? Here are the five love languages. Are you guys all following me? Words of affirmation. Everybody say words of affirmation. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. I bet you're wondering right about now, how in the world are you going to connect physical touch with the Lord, with this whole intimacy thing? We'll get there. I want to start off with number one, words of affirmation. I want you to think about this. The word of God is infused with God spilling out words of affirmation to his bride to become what they were created to be. The whole Bible is comprised of that. It's a huge love later. It, it, it is infused with words of affirmations, trying to get his people to believe who he's created them to be. Not only that, but to awaken something in them that would give them the confidence to walk out their purpose and their calling so that God can use them in his kingdom. All throughout the Bible, it is laced and filled with it. Isaiah 43 says this. Watch how he encourages his people. Now, wherever it says Jacob, I want you to say your name, okay? One, two, three. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Donnie, or Melanie, or Moses, or Stephanie, and who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And and uh, through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God encouraging his people, letting them know, I have called you particularly. I didn't just call a nation. I called a specific person and people group. Amen? Trying to encourage them to let them know, I have something planned for you specifically. 
not just as a nation, but as a person, a specific calling, a design and intent. I have something specific for you to fulfill. Amen? Jeremiah 3, watch the 31, I'm sorry, 31 verse 3. It says this, the Lord has appeared to old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So all throughout the Bible, the Bible is laced and it's infused with encouraging words, words of affirmation from God to his people. Amen? Now, here's the thing that I have found about God. I have found also about people and about my wife. Me and her share two of the primary love languages. That's really rare. Everybody say amen. But there is one in particular that we do not share. And that one is gifts. I'm not a big gift guy. I like getting gifts and giving them to people. I'm sorry. I like giving them to people. I'm not really big on being a recipient on gifts. Can you say amen? My friends were getting on me the other day and and told me that I have a really hard time receiving gifts. I do because I'm not a real uh, gift receiver. However, my wife loves gifts. So this past Father's Day, she tried to trick me and she gets me like tools or something. And I thought that was the end there. I was like, thank you, honey. I appreciate it. What did you get me? You got me some tools. Oh yeah, she got, yeah, exactly. That's what she got me. She got me a bunch of little uh, instruments to hang pictures. And I'm like, it's Father's Day here. What are you getting me tools for? Because her love language is acts of service. <laughs> so she was trying to get me to fulfill her love language selfishly. I prayed for her. Don't worry. But when, when, when mothers, well, let me, let me just say it like this. That was a trick. So then she comes out with all these amazing gifts and got me like the iPhone 10 and all this cool stuff. Woohoo! Amazing. She, she got me some amazing gifts. Of course, a card that was very, very touching and just amazing. But her primary, one of her primary love languages is gifts. Mine is not. Mine is more time and touch. And I have made the mistake over the past couple of Mother's Days and birthdays, like with just roses and a card, because one of my primary as well is um, words of affirmation. I love words of affirmation, and I love giving them. I'm an encourager at heart, can you tell? And so I, sometimes I fall into the trap of speaking my love language to her when I should be speaking her love language, when that is what really will satisfy her heart. Why do I say all that? Because people will often love out of the love language that's their strongest or where they like to receive love. The reason God has spoken so much and given words of affirmations throughout the Bible is because he too loves words of affirmation. Why do I say that? When you, when you, when you, when you think about King David, all of Psalms, most of Psalms, and there was about 150 Psalms for all of you uh, students of the word of God. There's about 150 Psalms, most of which is comprised of words of affirmation to God. God, you're wonderful. Lord, you are mighty. Who can compare to you, Lord? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalms 145 says this, all your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. In Psalms 108, just hang with me. In Psalms 108, verse three, it says this, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and among the people. I will sing praises to you. Psalms 57, lastly, verse 9 through 10 in the Message Bible says this I'm thanking you, God, speaking of being thankful, Moses. I'm thanking you, God, out loud in the streets, 
singing praises to you in town and country. The deeper your love, the higher it goes. Every cloud is a flag to your faithfulness. It's no wonder that David was called the man after God's own heart because he learned a secret about God's love language. As a matter of fact, he's one of the first ones and only ones to be called that as a, a man after his own heart. But here's what David learned. He loved, I'm sorry, he, he understood that if he spoke God's love language, he would get God's response. And I believe the reason that David had such blessing on his life and he carried the very presence of God and there was so much favor surrounding his life is because David understood that God heart, God's heart was moved when David would praise him for who he was. You never see in the Psalms David asking for money, asking for power, or asking for wealth or prestige or influence. David simply understood that if I praise God, God would meet all of my needs. If I would meet, and, and God, let me just say this, God doesn't have many, many needs, but there is one need that God obviously had. Had he not had this need, he would have never created creation or human beings. The need to be loved and praised. The need to be loved and praised. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need anything physical from you, he, but he does have a need to be affirmed in love, to be told who he is, to be glorified who he is. And this is why David carried the very presence of God because he learned this secret. And we want to be a church who is intimate with God and understands how to speak God's love language so that when we come in here in the morning, I don't expect everybody to just simply just slightly clap their hands. Even if you don't feel it, we know God's truth says that we should praise him in the ups and in the downs when things are going good, when things are going bad. So when we come here and I'm pacing the floor and clapping, I'm not always feeling it to be quite frank with you, but I understand to a degree God's primary love language is to be affirmed. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I praise you. I thank you that all of my needs are met because you are great and you're worthy. You own cattle on a thousand hills. So as I exalt him, he lifts me up to where he is. And as I seek his kingdom and his righteousness and praise him, everything else gets added. Amen. So as I satisfy God's heart, he takes care of my situation. So that's why we don't act like God's frozen chosen on Sunday morning, amen? That's why we stand up, we lift our hands, we praise him and lift our voice. It's not, I'm not lifting my voice because I never have problems. As a matter of fact, the more I have problems, the more I lift my voice. The more I have problems, the more I glorify God because I understand that we serve a God that is bigger than our problems. And if you learn this secret about God, about praising him, you will have a whole lot less problems because then you understand and you get into a position to where I understand the Lord fights my battles. So as I take care of him, he takes care of my problems. As I take care of his need to be loved and adored and affirmed and lifted up, he handles everything else. Amen? Hallelujah. Why is it 1122? Forget that time. Are you guys Okay. Number two, I'll move through them quickly. Quality time. How many in here's primary love language is quality time? Quality time. Me too. That's what her and I share. Quality time. I want you to read this in Luke chapter five, verse 15. In the New King James Version, it's also verse 16. However, the report went around him, meaning Jesus, concerning him all the more. And a great multitude came together to hear and to be healed of, by him of their infirmities. So he himself often, everybody say often, one, two, three. Say it again, one, two, three. 
he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I thought about this. In spite of Jesus' strenuous schedule, and me and my friend Sean, we share somewhat of a strenuous schedule. He even more so, and Matt as well, they travel a lot. But one thing Jesus got the revelation of, in spite of how many people were in need, how many people need healing, how many people needed a touch from him or an encouraging word, he still made time to pray. If Jesus didn't make excuses to spend time with God the Father, then neither should we. Because here's what Jesus got this revelation. My ability to be effective is hinged on my relationship with God, spending quality time. He understood that he needed to go recharge if he was going to be effective in the ministry. So quality time is not just... uh, for God, it's for you, amen? When you spend quality time with him and you love on him and just spend quiet time and reflection time, whether it's just doing devotionals or whatever it is, God is supernaturally charging you with what you need for your workday, with what you need in your day that's filled with ministry or whatever it is. My life is both. I work both in the marketplace and here. I work both in the secular and the sanctified. I live in both realms. And so Donnie needs to withdraw often to pray. So oftentimes I will either close my door. My wife knows I will withdraw. And she's like, where are you at, honey? She's in the kitchen cooking. That's when I need a break. And I know I need to just plug in. And I don't just do it for one facet of my life. I need to plug in and have quality time as it relates to my marriage as it relates to being a great dad with the children and having the energy to do it as, it, as it relates to running a business or even running a church. And so it is imperative that we spend quality time with God and that satisfies his heart ultimately. So as you're spending time with him, loving on him, just sitting before him, listening, God is doing something in you. Amen? He's infusing you with the power for service for him. Quality time. Everybody say quality time. Quality time. If the only time you spend time with God or quality time is an hour and a half on Sunday morning, I have to tell you, you are sorely missing out. Look at somebody and say, you're missing out. This is why people, in my mind, suffer burnout so much. Yes, I'm gonna talk about that, Lord. When a particular item is used for something other than its intended use. My friend Sean does some engineering. He'll understand and appreciate this. Do I have any engineers in the room? No. Sean's the only semi-engineer. When you take an item and use it for something other than its intended use, it may work for a while, but it will ultimately fail. I'm gonna prove a point. He really laughed at me the other day. I was trying to fix my pool pump. I was trying to drain the pool. It was about an inch away from overflowing. And I used needle nose pliers when I should have used pliers or channel locks. For all of you mechanics, you would understand that. So in other words, I was using the wrong tool for the right job. And so I tried to do it so it wouldn't work. Here's why people, we would shut down most counseling firms if we would get this one thing right. If we would spend quality time with God, it would fix 90% of our problems. As a matter of fact, it'd fix 100% of our problems. Amen? And the reason why people are depressed, why they are emotionally distraught, why they are struggling in so many different areas of their lives is because they're not plugging into the source which, why, where, they, where they're supposed to be drawing their strength, in other words. Amen? Amen? 
And, 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 and we were created for him. And when, if we're created from him, we were made for his pleasure. But if we're not staying in a place of sonship and relationship and spending quality time with him, we ultimately malfunction in life. Because we weren't made like robots to just go, 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 go to work, go to school, study, pay the bills, repeat. All these repeats in our life. What happens is people get depressed and they malfunction because they're not plugging into the source and they're not spending quality time with God. Look at somebody and say, spend quality time with God. Quality time. Amen. Everybody okay? Quality time with God equals quality life. Amen. What are some practicals of spending time with God? I'll tell you some of my practicals. I do not start my day. There's too much of a demand on me through the day, throughout the day to not start with a devotional. Let's be practical. Can I be practical with you guys? Even if it's a two-minute devotional, an audio devotional, just getting the word of God in you, it strengthens you. David said like this, your word have I hidden in my heart so that I won't sin against you. You want to walk in righteousness throughout the day? Start with the word of God. Read a devotional. Get one on Amazon, whatever it is. Start with a devotional. Reading the word, that's a very practical thing. I do not start nor end my day almost ever without starting and ending it with a scripture or two. Quality time and reflection. Meditating on God's word. When you're going to work, do yourself a favor. Don't put the jams on. Like, put something on that, that is going to inspire you, amen, and, and challenge you for the day, some, some worship or, or something that's uh, gonna lift you up for the day, give you the energy that you need to go to that difficult workplace. Whether it's Bethel, some people don't like Bethel, whether it's Elevation or whatever it might be. I like, I like to use, listen to the music without words. I love instrumental and I just put my mind on the Lord. Amen? Prayer. Intercession, what's the difference? Prayer and intercession. Prayer is, Lord, I thank you for this day. Establish my steps today. Intercession is intentional prayer declaring over situations that's more like warfare and intercession. All those things represent quality time with God and spending time because as you spend time with him, you get to know him. You get to know him. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna say it. I wasn't gonna say it, but I'm gonna say it. Has anybody ever seen a person who has pets and they're pet people? And they look like they're pets. Am I the only one? I have seen my clients and I look at the person and I look at the dog and I'm like, how did this happen? Joel, do them a favor and put, them up on, put this up on the screen really quick. I, just, I want you guys to see what I'm talking about. Do you have that picture? He doesn't have the picture. Shame on you. I have seen people who do their hair, do the hair of the dog just the same way that they do their hair. I wish you had that picture. And here's what I thought to myself. Okay, have you ever seen spouses that look like each other? I know specific people that have just come up in my mind just now that look like each other. Now, what does that mean? We wonder why people struggle in the body of Christ not becoming like the Lord. It shouldn't be a surprise because who you spend time the most with, you end up taking upon their personalities, their propensities, their likes and their dislikes. There are certain foods that I did not like before I met my wife. I actually start to like spaghetti now because my mom fed it to me so much. And now my wife is, is helping me. I'm not all the way there yet. Developing 
a love again for spaghetti. Okay? Okay, so she infuses it with other things and dresses it up the way that I like it. But here's the deal. When you spend time with Jesus, when you spend time with the Lord, you cannot help but take upon yourself his attributes, his fruit, his desires. You begin to love things that he loves and you begin to hate things that he hates. If you're battling with sin, you do not have a sin problem. You have a quality time problem. Preach it. Young preacher, preach it. You have a quality time. Once you start to spend time in his presence, that stuff cannot exist in his presence. So if you spend time in his presence, his presence gets in you so that when you get in situations that are unlike him or outside of his character or sinful, it has no place in you. When Jesus was about to leave this world, he said, the enemy of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. When you spend quality time with Jesus, those things have no place in the believer. It's not even hard to resist those things anymore because you begin to love what he loves and you begin to hate what he hates and you begin to stay away from things that he would stay away from. Amen? Quality time. Everybody say quality time. Amen. I'm gonna try to get through this as fast as I can. Is it okay if I could just go a tad bit longer? I'm being funny and stuff today. I'm entertaining myself. The third one is receiving gifts. Everybody say receiving gifts. How many love gifts? Love receiving gifts? God loves receiving gifts. That's one of the reasons why we take up tithes and offerings. Not only to sustain the church, but also to bless his heart. Because gifts are simply a reflection of the level of honor you have. Have you ever got a gift for someone and you know you were being cheap because you didn't have the money for it? Do you remember the expression on that person's face? You had a great relationship with them and you got them maybe just a card or a pair of socks. Come on, that's never happened to you guys. Like you haven't just got a pair of socks or that gift that someone gave you and you shelved it for like 10 years and then you regifted it. Oh God, I'm, you guys aren't gonna be honest in church. I've done it. Because the reason that the person gets disappointed or you get disappointed because you knew you had a better relationship with them with that, than, than that. Because gifts represent the level of honor that you have for that particular person. And so what moves God's heart is not necessarily the size of the gift, but the sacrifice it took to give the gift. So God, one of his primary love languages is receiving gifts. As a matter of fact, throughout the whole Bible, he talks about how he gave gifts to men to bless his own life, right? And I often say this, that God's gift to you is the gift. Your gift back to him is how you use the gift. Amen? God is a God of receiving gifts. That's one of his primary love languages. And I wanna prove it to you. Watch this. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Watch this. Now Jesus sat opposite of the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. He watched how they put money in the treasury. I want you to listen to this. He watched how they gave tithes and offerings. You guys would flip out if I did that. If I sat up on the stage as you guys were giving, you guys probably wouldn't give back. It's, he watched them. Now watch this. I want you to read between the lines of what Jesus was saying. He saw how the people put money into the treasury. This is the treasury. Everybody say the treasury. And how many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came in and threw two mites in which make up a quadrants. 
First of all, how close was Jesus sitting enough to see that she threw in two mites or two pennies? That means God was watching how this lady gave and was watching how these rich people were giving. Because why? Because the level of the gift matters to God because it's not the size of the gift, but it's the level of honor that you're giving as you give the gift. Amen. Now it reads on and says this. Then he called the disciples to himself. It was like me pulling Moses and, 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 and Matt into the room after you guys gave and, and, and telling everything that everybody gave. Hey, Sean gave this amount or th that amount, right? Amen. Because God was watching so closely because he cared what they were giving because one of God's primary love languages is receiving gifts. Watch this. He called his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. God in his very nature is a giver. I want you to think about this. For God so loved. It didn't say God loved the world, so he gave God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That word so was put in there to indicate passion. He so loved. What does that mean to us? There's never an excuse not to give into God or his work. And it doesn't just mean money because love finds a way. That's good. Amen. God so loved the world because love will go out of its way. What did he do? He gave his very, very best because God in his very nature is a giver. He is a giver for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It speaks of love and passion and love will always try to find a way to give when there's nothing else to give. My mom is one of the most primary examples of that. She wouldn't tell you if she was broke and she would give her last penny to someone. I've watched it. It's because love always finds a way. Everybody say love finds a way. I'm almost done. Acts of service. And this is in James 2.18 and it says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by works. I love that scripture. Isn't that beautiful? Let me read it in the message Bible. It says this, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. It's like somebody talking to me. And I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you faith apart from works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. True faith will motivate you to acts of service. True faith will motivate you to do something about it. I struggle because I, I don't want to tell my right hand what my left hand is doing, but I'll tell you as a pastor what my son and I did the other day. I was, I was watching a man who's had some shoes whose feet was literally, his feet were coming through. So I go home and it really bothered me. He asked me for a pair of shoes. I didn't have him a pair of shoes. I said, Lord, I'm going to buy him a pair of shoes. He was in this Winn-Dixie parking lot. And then the Lord reminded me that I had one specific pair of shoes that was probably in the best shape out of all my shoes, but they were size 11s, and I don't normally use size 11s. I use like a 10, 10 and a half, and I don't really use them that much, although I do work out in them sometimes. I went home, and I wanted my son to be a part of this, and I said, son, 
we're gonna have before I bring you to camp, summer camp this morning. This was this past week. We went home, we got the shoes and I handed them to my son in the back seat. And I wanted him to experience the joy of giving. And so we pulled up and this guy, he doesn't talk much, but he remembered, he walked right up to the vehicle. He knew exactly who I was. And Cohen just hands him these, these pair of shoes out of the window. You can tell how grateful the guy was. Then he walked away and I haven't seen him since. Acts of service. When you truly love the Lord and you're devoted to him, you can't help but to do something. God forbid we just be a church who comes here and absorbs the word of God, understands the ways of the Lord, and we sit and we do nothing and absorb. No offense to anyone in here, but if you're not involved, get involved. If you're truly a lover and a servant of the Lord, get involved. Do something. Love should motivate you to acts of service. God is an acts of service God. He does for us and he, we do for him. Amen. It's this, this revolving thing, this, this, this reciprocating give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's a give and take relationship. And this is not by um, our own strength. This is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. He infuses and empowers the believer. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and all of the earth. That is a really spiritual way of saying that God gives grace and gives power to the believer to equip them for the work of the Lord, to go out and make disciples and to do something in the earth. But after we're infused, we're called to do something. God, far be it from us that we shake under the power of God. We lift our hands in church on Sunday morning and we go out there and live some kind of other way. May we get infused and empowered so we can go out there and live it out outside of these four walls and provide acts of service for the kingdom of God to help him expand it, to help him build it, to shake hell, amen? amen. And shine our light for the sake of Christ in the earth. Last point and I'm closing now. Last point. I remember what Reinhard Bunke said to me. He said this, and I won't repeat what I said. I often repeat what he says, but this I don't believe I've ever said publicly. He said this, God does not sit with sitters. He goes with goers. He more like said it like this, God does not sit with sitters. He goes with goers. So get up and get out there and help someone. Get out there and love on someone. Bring someone a sandwich. Love on them at work. Offer a prayer at your, at your job or your workplace. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.